The following story was told by Jamie, a writer and mental health advocate from Mental Health Connecticut's Write On program. This story is raw, personal, and may contain language not suitable for younger listeners. I wear my darkness the way some girls wear stilettos. To the casual observer, it appears beautiful, alluring, a stunningly crafted accessory. People tell me I have beautifully deep eyes, that I'm so wise for my age. But what they don't know is that that depth and wisdom have come at a high price. Just like a pair of heels that have been strapped to my feet for hours, only I know the true pain that beauty has cost. I am the one who feels the pins and needles shooting through the bottoms of my feet. I'm the only one who realizes that I'm walking on thin glass, and even though everything is serene and beautiful for now, I'm simply standing in the eye of a hurricane, and soon enough, the glass will break and I will fall, plunging back into the darkness. April was Child Abuse Prevention Month. I am a survivor of child abuse. Two years ago, I said those words with pride because I had survived. 483 days of being raped and manipulated by my science teacher, and I survived. I'd been surrounded by the fires of hell, but the fire within me was stronger. I'd fought the hard fight, and I'd won. Two years ago was the last time I spoke about abuse, overcoming and not letting my past define my future. Since then, those same seven words have become a secret. They've lived within me, tucked into the deepest recesses of my soul where no one could reach them. I was ashamed of the scars that I bore. I doubted myself. I believed that I wasn't good enough. I buried that pain and I pushed it away and refused to acknowledge that it even existed. And then I broke. For so long, I'd gained comfort and peace knowing that my story may help someone else. I spoke to help others, and in doing so, I helped myself. But something had shifted, and those words that had been bottled up for so long, they'd found a voice of their own, and they were banging against the walls of my subconscious to be let out. I spent the afternoon of my birthday last year in my first ever ambulance ride to the hospital. Those words had finally gained enough strength to shatter the barriers that I had so carefully placed around them. And I had a panic attack at work. First, my vision blurred. My heart rate increased until I thought that my heart might pound out of my chest. And I felt as though no oxygen was being absorbed into my bloodstream, no matter how fast my lungs contracted. My fingers went numb, and my body shook uncontrollably. It was pure hell. One of my coworkers called the paramedics, and before I knew what was happening, I was strapped onto a stretcher watching the highway disappear behind me. Although my eyes were closed, I remember looking around in that moment and taking an inventory of my life. It's been six years, Jamie. You should be better by now, I told myself. I thought about my loving family, my wonderful job, the boyfriend I never thought I deserved, my supportive friends and loved ones, the hourglass body I'd always longed for, the freedom of living on my own. These are things I've wanted my entire life. So now that I've had them, why am I still not okay? Everybody's got a story to tell. And the thing is, everyone's story is different. Every journey of healing looks different. It comes in waves, and as the time goes on, the ripples get smaller and farther apart. I'm not okay yet, but that's all right. 
the cracks are how the light gets in. So day after day, I put everything that I have into the battle that's constantly raging in my head. I say I'm a lover, not a fighter, and that love conquers all. And I say that to myself until I'm blue in the face because maybe, just maybe, I can love myself whole. In Japanese culture, when a bowl breaks, they fill the cracks in the bowl with gold because it gave the bowl more beauty and character. So maybe if I fill all those chasms that he broke in my soul, if I fill them with love, maybe the black, sticky past will stop oozing from the cracks, and maybe the waves will stop pounding and the ocean will be calm, and for the first time in six long years, I'll be able to hear myself think. I don't like talking about my diagnosis. Um, people self-diagnose and talk about PTSD like it's nothing. Oh yeah, I have that too. No, no, I don't have any symptoms or anything. I've just, you know, I've been through stuff. They'll say, shrugging their shoulders. Others will say, suck it up, you're overreacting. People with PTSD just don't like loud no noises and things. They don't understand that one day I feel fine, like I've got the world figured out. The grass is green, the sun is warm, and I am the protagonist in my life. Then just like that, at the sight of a red Titan truck, or the smell of a Carl's Jr. bacon burger, or the sight of aviator sunglasses with a red bandana, and I'm hurtling backwards in time. Back to when I had no control. Back to when I was doing anything I could just to survive. Back to when my brain checked out of my body, the pain and horror too much to bear. And just like that, a smell, a sound, a sight, and I'm triggered. Triggered, a word so trivialized by society, dropped in the comments beneath the video of someone dropping a taco. Triggered, they'll type, and for them it's all fun and games. But for me, it's an icy cold reality. For me, it's a touch, a song, or the way a stranger looks at me. And then without warning, suddenly the panic and dread are back, and I'm standing still but spinning out of control, not sure whether I'm 21 or 14, and the tears are pounding behind my sinuses, fighting to be free. The air in my lungs is thinning, while my soul clings to my heavy, beating heart, begging to be free, the cloudiness, the weight, and the memories. Although the flashbacks um, are overwhelming at times, getting triggered isn't even the hardest part of living with PTSD. Even my own mom was surprised when I finally explained to her what I deal with on a daily basis. PTSD is so much more than just bad memories. It's sitting in my car for 30 minutes, trying to muster the courage to go into Target because I just can't handle being around people today. It's wanting to be close to the people I love, but feeling like the world is spinning helplessly out of control whenever my personal bubble is invaded. It's dissociating five or six times a day, trying to process the world around me, but feeling like I'm swimming through a dream. The thoughts just keep slipping through, unable to grasp onto consciousness. My body feels like it's miles away, yet claustrophobic all at once. It's constantly second-guessing myself and the world around me, being hyper-aware of every sound, every person, every locked door. It's walking into the lecture hall at school and a scent wafting into my nose. I'm triggered and suddenly I'm 14 again and he's standing above me wearing nothing but a condom and I can hear the cat scratching against the door behind me and I wish I could trade places with it. It's wanting to scream no in his face but all I can do is stare at the dingy white carpet while he beats me down making me feel worse than the cat shit in the litter box next to me. 
It's wanting to stay up all night for the fear of the nightmares that sleep will bring, and wanting to stay in bed in the morning for fear of the demons the day will bring. It's not that I'm sad or dysfunctional or that I cry all the time. It's just that sometimes it hurts too much to deal with, and I want nothing more than to lock myself in the bathroom at school, sink to the ground, and just cry. Sometimes I do. <laughs> sometimes my thoughts race like terror through my veins, and everything in my body is screaming for me to run. My brain cuts all ties with my body, and I feel oddly disconnected as limbs that no longer feel like mine continue on without me. My body goes on autopilot, a state in which I don't feel present or even conscious at times. I'll squeeze my hand around the heavy stone that I always keep in my left pocket, rubbing my thumb over and over until I think I may have rubbed my skin raw against the word engraved on the stone's otherwise smooth surface. Courage, I tell myself. Today is a good day. I squeeze the stone harder, willing my brain to ground itself, to feel my body again. I try to focus on anything I can around me, the din of students working on a group project, the sound of the fan in my laptop, the coldness of my seat, and the weight of the stone in my hand. I tap my legs, willing myself to focus on anything I can, trying to ground myself in my surroundings, to process the things occurring around me. I can already tell it's futile, like trying to fill a colander with water. The thoughts just keep slipping through, unable to grasp onto consciousness. I excuse myself to the bathroom, and the walk there feels like a blur. I know my heels are clicking against the floor, but I can barely hear them through the cotton balls that seem to be lodged in my ears. I reach the bathroom, pull the heavy door open, and barely wait for it to close before I find myself on the ground, cold tiles unforgivingly pressing into my palms. I feel the familiar weight and the wave crash over me. Panic in my chest is joined by overwhelming sadness and pain. I remind myself that there is no one left to save. No immediate danger except my own thoughts and the inky black monster that resides there. I have already saved myself. And now the terror holds my hand, caressing my palm with the tips of its icy fingers as we sit together quietly in the darkness. I cradle my face in my hands for a moment, or maybe an hour, I'm not really sure. I focus on my breath, willing the shakiness away. Back in those days, I wanted nothing more than to be an adult. I wanted to be strong and loved and admired and steady. Now I'm a child, clinging to my stuffed animals for comfort and wiping tear-stained cheeks. But at last, I have come to the realization that I am brave and strong and broken all at once. Eventually, I stand up, square my shoulders, and adjust the weight resting on them ever so slightly, affording myself a little comfort for the time being. I'm not okay, but that's all right. After all, I wear my darkness the way some girls wear stilettos. Jamie's story was recorded in front of a live audience at CT Improv's theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Want to hear more young adults find their voice and speak their truth? Go to mhconn.org slash write on. That's W-R-I-T-E-O-N.